the most holy incarnation, cave of the nativity, Bethlehem. The site of the nativity is attested to by an unbroken tradition dating back to the second century. This plan is a suggested reconstruction of the original arrangement based on the description and the present form of the caves and the shaded areas. During the centuries, there have been many additions and enlargements. Sister Emmerich stated that new grottoes were cut in the rock even during the lifetime of Our Lord. The basilica, erected by Constantine over the cave in the 4th century and still in use, is one of the oldest Christian churches in the world. The three oldest shepherds came back in turn and helped Joseph to make the crib cave and its surroundings more comfortable. I saw also several pious women with the Blessed Virgin performing some services for her. They were Asinians and lived in the valley not far from the crib cave, in little rocky cells adjoining one another. They owned little gardens near their cells, and they taught the children of their community. St. Joseph had invited them to come, for he was acquainted with them even in early youth. When he was hiding in the crib cave from his brethren, he visited these pious women who dwelt in the side of the rock. They now came in turn to the Blessed Virgin, bringing little necessaries and bundles of wood. They cooked and washed for the Holy Family. Some days after the birth of Jesus, I saw a touching scene in the crib cave. Joseph and Mary were standing by the crib and gazing with emotion upon the infant Jesus, when suddenly the ass fell upon its knees and lowered its head to the ground. Mary and Joseph shed tears. I saw Mary at another time standing by the crib. As she gazed upon the child, the deep conviction stole upon her that it had come upon earth to suffer. That reminded me of a vision I had had at an earlier period in which I had been shown how Jesus, while still in his mother's womb, and from the moment of his birth, had suffered. I saw under the heart of Mary a glory, and in it a bright, shining child. As I gazed upon it, it seemed as if Mary were hovering over it and surrounding it. I beheld the child growing, and all the torments of the crucifixion inflicted upon it. It was a sad, a fearful sight. I wept and sobbed aloud. I saw other forms around it, beating and pushing, scourging and crowning it. Then they laid the cross upon it, next nailed it to the same, and pierced it in the side. I saw the whole passion of Christ in the child. It was a frightful sight. As the child hung on the cross, it said to me, All this did I suffer from my conception until my thirty-fourth year, when my passion was outwardly consummated. The Lord died when he was thirty-three years and three months old. Go and announce it to men. But how can I announce it to men? I saw Jesus also as the newborn child, and I saw how many of the children that went to the crib ill-treated the infant Jesus. The mother of God was not there to protect the child. The children went with all kinds of switches and rods and struck it in the face until the blood flowed. The child meekly extended its little hands before its face 
in order to ward off the blows. The smallest children were they that struck the most maliciously. The parents of some even twisted and wrapped the rods for them. They brought thorns, nettles, whips, little rods of all kinds, each having its own signification. One came with a very slender rod, like a reed, but when it was about to strike the child, the rod snapped and fell back upon itself. I knew several of the children. Some went about boasting in their fine clothes, but I stripped them and whipped some of them well. While Mary was still standing by the crib in deep meditation, some shepherds drew near with their wives, and all about five persons. To give them room to approach the crib, the Blessed Virgin withdrew a little to the spot upon which she had given birth to the child. People did not actually adore, but they gazed down upon the child, deeply moved, and before leaving they bowed low over it as if kissing it. It was day. Mary sat in her usual place, with the infant Jesus on her lap. He was swathed, my hands and face alone free. Mary had something like a piece of linen in her hands, with which she was busied. Joseph was at the fireplace, near the entrance of the cave, and appeared to be making a shelf to hold some vessels. I was standing next to the ass, and now came in three aged female Sinians, who were cordially welcomed, though Mary did not rise. They brought quite a number of presents, small fruits, birds with red, all-shaped beaks as large as ducks, which they carried by the wings, oval rolls, about an inch in thickness, some linen, and other stuff. All were received with rare humility and gratitude. The women were very silent and recollected. Deeply moved, they gazed down upon the child, but they did not touch it. When they withdrew, it was without farewells and more ceremony. Meanwhile, I was taking a good look at the ass. It had a very broad back, and I thought to myself, You good beast, you have carried a great burden. And I wanted to feel it to see if it were real. I ran my hand over its hair, and it felt as smooth as silk. Now came two married women with three little girls about eight years old. They appeared to be strangers and people of distinction, who had come in obedience to a call more miraculous than that received by any previous visitor. Joseph welcomed them very humbly. They brought presents less in size than the others, but of greater value. Grain in a bowl, small fruits, and a cluster of thick, triangular gold leaves, on which was a stamp like a seal. I thought, strange, that looks like the representation of the eye of God. But no, how can I compare the eye of God with red earth? Mary arose and placed the child in the lady's arms. Both held him a little while, praying silently with uplifted heart, and then kissed him. The three little girls were silent and deeply impressed. Joseph and Mary conversed with their visitors, and when they left, Joseph accompanied them part of the way. Ah, could we, like these women, behold the beauty, the purity, the innocent wisdom of Mary? She knew all things, but in her humility she appears unconscious of her gifts. Like a child, she casts down her eyes, and when she raises them, one, the Creator, her glance, like a flash of lightning, like the truth, like a ray of unsullied light, pierces one through and through. 
That is because she is perfectly pure, perfectly innocent, full of the Holy Ghost, and without any reflection on self. No one can resist her glance. These people appear to have come at least some miles, and that secretly, for they avoided being seen in the city. Joseph behaved with great humility during such visits, retiring and looking on from some distant corner. I saw also Anne's maid and an old man-servant coming from Nazareth to the crib. The maid was a widow and related to the Holy Family. She brought all sorts of necessaries from Anne to Mary, with whom she took up her abode. The old man shed tears of joy and returned with news to Anne. The day after, I saw the Blessed Virgin and the infant Jesus leave the crib cave with the maid for some hours. Stepping from the door of the cave, Mary turned toward the shed on the right, went some steps forward, and concealed herself in that side cave in which, at the birth of Jesus, a spring had welled up. She remained there four hours, because some men, spies of Herod, had come from Bethlehem, in consequence of the rumors set afloat by the words of the shepherds, that a miracle had there taken place in connection with a child. These men met St. Joseph in front of the crib cave. After exchanging a few words with him, they left him with a contemptuous smile at his humility and simplicity. The crib cave was retired and very pleasantly situated. No one from Bethlehem went there, only the shepherds whose duties called them thither. No one in Bethlehem took any interest in what was going on outside, for, in consequence of the influx of strangers, the city was all alive, and much buying and selling going on. Cattle was being bought and slaughtered, for many people paid their taxes in cattle. There were a number of pagans in the city in the capacity of servants. The wonderful apparition of the angels was soon noised among the dwellers of the mountain valleys far and near, and with it the birth of the child in the cave. The innkeepers, from whom the homely family on their journey had received hospitality, now came, one after another, to do homage to him whom unknown they had entertained. I saw that hospitable keeper of the last inn, first sending presents by his servant, and then coming himself to honor the child. I saw also the good wife of that man who had been so cross to Joseph, and other shepherds and good people coming to the crib. They were very much affected by what they saw. All were in holiday attire and were going up to Bethlehem for the Sabbath. The good wife might have gone to Jerusalem, which was nearer, but she preferred coming here to Bethlehem. A relative of Joseph and father of that Jonadab, who, at the crucifixion of Jesus, presented a strip of linen to him, had also come to the crib cave on his way to Bethlehem for the Sabbath. Joseph was very kind to him. His relative had heard from people of his place of Joseph's wonderful situation. He came, therefore, to bring him gifts and to visit the infant Jesus and Mary. But Joseph would not accept anything, although he pawned the little she asked to this relative with the understanding that she might be redeemed for the same amount of money received. After that, Mary, Joseph, the maid, and two of the shepherds, who were standing in front of the entrance, celebrated the Sabbath in the crib cave. A lamp with seven wicks was lighted, and upon a small table, covered with white and red, lay the prayer rolls. The numerous eatables presented by the shepherds were either given to the poor or handed around for the entertainment of others. The birds were hung on a spit before the fire, 
turned from time to time and sprinkled with the flower of a reed-like plant, which was very plentiful around the area of Bethlehem and Hebron. From its grain a shining white jelly was prepared and cakes baked. I saw under the fireplace very hot and clean holes in which birds could be roasted. After the Sabbath, the Essenian women got a meal ready under the arbors, which Joseph, with the help of the shepherds, had put up at the entrance of the cave. Joseph went into the city to engage priests for the circumcision of the child. The cave was cleared and put in order. The partition that Joseph had put up in the passage was removed, and the ground spread with carpets. For in this passage near the crib cave, the place for the ceremony was prepared. Part 10. The Circumcision Joseph returned from Bethlehem with five priests and a woman whose services were necessary on such occasions. They brought with them the circumcision stool and an octangular slab with all that was needed for the ceremony. All this was placed in order in the passage. The stool was hollow and formed a chest, which could be taken apart, thus affording a kind of low seat with a support on the side. It was covered with red. The circumcision stone was, perhaps, over two feet in diameter, and the center was a metal plate under which, in a hollow of the stone, were all kinds of little boxes containing fluids. These boxes were in separate compartments, and at one side lay the circumcision knife. The stone was laid upon the little stool, which, covered with a cloth, always stood on the spot upon which Jesus was born, and the circumcision stood stool was placed next to it. That evening, a repast was spread under the arbor at the entrance to the cave. A crowd of poor people had followed the priests, as is usual on such occasions. And during the meal, they were continually receiving something both from the priests and from Joseph. The priests went to Mary and the child, spoke with the mother, and took the child in their arms. They also spoke to Joseph about the name the child was to receive. They prayed and sang the greater part of the night, and circumcised the child at daybreak. Mary was very much troubled, very anxious about it. After the ceremony, the infant Jesus was swathed in red and white as far as under the little arms, which also were bound and the head wrapped in a cloth. The child was again laid on the octangular stone, and prayers recited over it. If I remember rightly, the angel had already told Joseph that the child should be called Jesus, and I have a faint recollection that one of the priests did not at first approve the name. Consequently, they still continued in prayer. Then I saw a radiant angel standing in front of the priest and holding before him a tablet like that above the cross, upon which was inscribed the name of Jesus. I saw the priest writing the name upon a scrap of parchment. I know not whether he or any of the others saw the angel, but deeply moved, he wrote the name under divine inspiration. After that, Joseph received the child back and handed it to the Blessed Virgin, who, with two other women, was standing back in the crib cave. Mary took the weeping child into her arms and quieted it. Some shepherds were standing at the entrance of the cave. Lamps were burning, and the dawn was breaking. There was some more praying and singing, and before the priests departed, they took a little breakfast. I saw that all present in the circumcision were good people. 
Priests were enlightened and later attained salvation. Alms were distributed the whole morning to many poor people who presented themselves. Afterward followed a crowd of beggars, filthy black creatures, very repulsive to me. They carried bundles, and coming up from the valley of the shepherds, passed the crib as if going to Jerusalem for the celebration of a feast. They were very boisterous, cursing and scolding horribly, because they did not receive by way of alms as much as they wanted. I do not know exactly what was the matter with them. During the ceremony of circumcision, the ass was tied further back than usual, at other times it stood in the crib cave. During the day, I saw the nurse again with Mary, attending to the child. That night the child was very restless from pain, cried, and Mary and Joseph tried to soothe it by carrying it up and down the cave. While reflecting upon the mystery of the circumcision, I had a vision. I saw two angels with little tablets in their hands, standing under a palm tree. Upon one tablet were pictured various instruments of martyrdom, of which I remember one, a pillar which stood in the middle. On it was a mortar, which had two rings. On the other tablet were letters denoting the seasons and years of the church. On the palm tree, and as if growing out of it, was kneeling a virgin, her flowing mantle or veil, for it was fastened over her head, floating around her. In her hands was a heart upon which I saw a tiny, shining child. I saw an apparition of God the Father, draw near to the palm tree, break off a heavy branch that formed a cross, and lay it on the child. Then I saw the child raised, as it were, on the cross, and the virgin reaching the palm branch, with the crucified child on it, to God the Father, the heart alone remaining in her hand. On the evening of the following day, I saw Elizabeth on an ass and accompanied by an old servant coming from Juta to the cave. Joseph received her most cordially. The joy of Mary and Elizabeth was extremely great as they embraced each other. Elizabeth pressed the child to her heart. She slept in Mary's cave next to the place in which Jesus was born. Before the sacred spot stood a stool upon which they often laid the child. Mary told Elizabeth all that had happened to her. When Elizabeth heard of their difficulty in getting a lodging on their arrival in Bethlehem, she wept heartily. Mary gave her all the details of the infant Jesus' birth. I remember hearing her say that she had been in ecstasy ten minutes at the time of the Annunciation, that it appeared to her as if her heart had grown double its size, and that she was filled with unspeakable happiness. But at the child's birth she had experienced an intense longing. She felt while kneeling that she was upheld by angels, and as if her heart was broken asunder and one half taken from her. She had also been ten minutes in ecstasy at the time of the birth. She had been conscious of an emptiness within her, a longing after something outside of herself. Suddenly a light shone before her, and the figure of the child seemed to grow before her eyes. Then she saw it moving and heard it crying, and coming to herself, she raised it from the rug to her breast, for at first seeing it environed with glory, she had hesitated to take it up. Elizabeth said, Thou hast not given birth in the same way as other mothers. The birth of John was sweet also, but it was not like that of thy child. Once I saw Elizabeth with Mary and the child concealing themselves toward evening in the side cave. They remained there the whole night, 
for visitors from Bethlehem were approaching, by whom they did not want to be seen. The Jewish women do not leave their children long without other nourishment than the breast. And so the infant Jesus was fed in those first days on pap, made of the sweet, light, nutritious pith of a certain rush-like plant. As in the temple at Jerusalem, the holy feast of the Maccabees began at this time. It was also celebrated by Joseph in the crib cave. He fastened three lamps with seven little lights on the walls of the cave, and during a whole week lighted them morning and evening. Once I saw in the cave one of the priests who had been present at the child's circumcision. He had a roll of writings from which he prayed with St. Joseph. It seemed to me that he wanted to find out whether Joseph kept that feast or not. I think, too, that he announced to him another, for a fast day was near at hand. I saw the preparations for it in Jerusalem. Food was prepared the day before the feast. The fire was covered. Several work was put aside. Doors and windows were hung with tapestry. Anne often sent servants with gifts of provisions and utensils, all of which Mary soon distributed to the poor. Once Anne sent a beautiful little basket of fruit with large, newly blown roses stuck in among it. The pink roses were paler than ours, almost flesh-colored, and there were some yellow and some white. Mary was very much pleased and placed it beside her. And now came Anne herself, accompanied by her second husband and a servant. The infant Jesus stretched out his little arms to her, and great was her joyful emotion. Mary gave her a full account of all as she had done to Elizabeth. They mingled their tears together, pausing at times to fondle the infant Jesus. Anne had brought with her many things for Mary and the child, coverlets, swathing bands, etc. Though Mary had already received so many things from her, yet the crib cave was still quite poor in appearance, since whatever was at all unnecessary was given away at once. Mary told Anne that the kings from the east were approaching with rich gifts, and that their coming would attract much attention. Anne, therefore, resolved to go and stay with her sister, who dwelt at some hour's distance, and to return after the departure of the royal visitors. Then I saw Joseph set to work to clear out the crypt cave as well as those in its vicinity, in order to prepare for the arrival of the kings whom Mary in spirit had seen coming. He went also to Bethlehem to make the second payment of taxes, and to look around for a dwelling, for he intended to settle in Bethlehem after Mary's purification.